meow Bird goes tweet and mouse goes squeak Cow goes moo, frog goes croak And the elephant goes toot Dogs say quack and fish go blub And the seal goes ow, ow, ow But there's one sound that no one knows What does the fox say? Another week, another episode of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com, MMAopinion.co.uk. Um, we got a great show for you today. We got UFC Prime Minister, as we like to call him, you know, Chief Executive Operator up here in Canada, Mr. Tom Wright, will be joining us, as well as Ed Soares, the president of Resurrection Fighting Alliance, and Matt Manzanares, who is fighting in the main event against Zach Makovsky, will also be joining us. But joining me right now, I figured I'd bring him back. We had him on last week to sort of preview the UFC 167 fight card. He's back to recap the fight card and go over sort of what we talked about last week and what happened this week. Uh, please welcome back to the show, Mike Bond. Thanks for having me back, man. Yeah, for sure. Now... Obviously, the big news from the weekend was George St. Pierre's emotional speech afterwards. What were your thoughts on that? After the fight, man, I I didn't really know because he really didn't make it clear about what he was wanting to do. I mean, he wants to take time off. He was saying there's these personal issues. But besides that, he just kind of, his post-fight interview... And the days leading out from this, that that's basically what he did. He just, you, that's not what you don't do. You go out there and you make a definitive statement. I know he had just gotten a crazy fight and all that stuff, so he wasn't really in the best mindset. But directly after the fight, he just confused everyone, and that's exactly what I was thinking. I really didn't know what was going on. And Dana White was definitely not um, very impressed by this. He said, you know, he sort of owes it to the UFC. He owes it to Johnny Hendricks for a rematch. Do you think George St. Pierre owes anything to the UFC? No, definitely not. I mean, if he doesn't want to fight again, there's absolutely no one can say that he should. So in that sense, absolutely not. But I think Dana White is kind of right in some points. If he can't just make these in-between statements, he kind of needs to decide is he going to take some time away and maybe so they can vacate the belt or do an interim belt or whatever, or is he going to just take the normal time, whatever, six months between fights and then come back? That's really So if he's going to continue fighting, then yes, he definitely owes Johnny Hendricks a rematch within a reasonable amount of time. But if he's walking away, then of course he doesn't know them anything. For sure. Now, who did you score the fight for? I scored it for Johnny Hendricks, kind of similar to a lot of people. I gave him the first, second, and fourth rounds with GSP getting the third and the fifth. And obviously, the first is kind of what it came down to to a lot of people. And I thought Hendricks was a lot more effective with just everything in that round. Obviously, GSP had his moment with the takedown early in the submission attempt. But other than that, I thought it was mostly Hendricks' round. And that was really what decided it on my scorecard. Have you rewatched the fight? I have, and I scored it the pretty much the exact same way. It did come down to that first round, and that's I scored it the same way the second time around. Many people thought that that color commentator Joe Rogan was was very um, one sided in this fight. Did did you think the same way that he was very pro Johnny Hendricks in this fight? A little bit, yeah. Honestly, 
I know a lot of people like to get on Joe Rogan and criticize him and all that stuff about biased commentary. For me personally, when I'm watching the fights, I'm kind of so concentrated on what's going on that I don't even really take that much notice of what Joe Rogan, Mike Goldberg, or John Anik or whoever what they're saying. So I don't think I don't let that influence me as much, but I can definitely say I heard a lot of bias or maybe favor favoritism towards Johnny Hendricks, and there was a lot of that throughout the entire card, I thought. Now, co-main event, Rashad Evans, crystal clear he came into this fight uh, with one thing on his mind, and that was moving forward with his career, and, and that he did. He, he decisively beat Chael Sonnen in the very first round via TKO. We said that we might see a new Rashad Evans come into this fight, and from the sounds of it on UFC Tonight, Rashad Evans is hearing that um, Daniel Cormier could be his next opponent. What are your thoughts on that, and what are your thoughts on the fight against Chael Sonnen as well? Well, as far as the fight against Chael Sonnen, I mean, he looked absolutely phenomenal in that fight. He just walked through Chael Sonnen and made it look really, really easy. And that was his first first round stoppage in 10 years or so. So he that just kind of says a lot in itself. So I think Rashad looked great. I think a lot of people expected him to win the fight pretty handily. I don't think they expect him to finish Sonnen that quick. And he hurt him really bad in that fight with that ground and pound. Sonnen was... Not not in good shape immediately when that fight was over. So he looked really great. And as far as the fight with Daniel Cormier, that's exactly the fight I want to see. I do a uh, Joe Silva shoes matchmaker article over on MMAJunkie.com, and that's the fight that I picked for Rashad. So that's exactly what I want to see. I know they're the co-workers at Fox, and that's another kind of Rashad just did that. But I think that's exactly the fight that'll show whether Daniel Cormier is ready to be a title contender and Rashad Evans, if he can win that fight, he's right back on the short list of title contenders as well. Completely agree. Now, a guy who's making himself clear on maybe a short list of title contenders is Robbie Lawler. He came in and decisively, well, it was a split decision, but against Rory McDonald, he he chopped him down in the first round with some leg kicks, which many people were surprised with. And then he uh, he pretty much dominated. A lot of people thought... Robbie Lawler was going to finish Rory McDonald at times. Uh, the one question I asked you last week was, does Rory McDonald have to come into this completely focused, and do you think he's overlooking him a little? Um, do you think this could have been the case? I don't think so. I think Rory definitely took this fight very seriously, especially I interviewed him a few weeks before, and he seemed like he was very focused and knew how important this fight was for him, especially after that really flat performance against Jake Ellenberger over the summer. So he, I don't think he overestimated Robbie Lawler, and if he did, I would have been utterly foolish because we know how great Lawler has looked in these past couple fights since returning to the UFC. So I don't think that was the case. I just think he fought a guy who was the better fighter that night. I mean, Rory didn't really have that much offense aside from like you know the kicks that he likes to throw a lot the front kicks and all that kind of stuff but it was just Lawler is just looked great in that fight he mixed up his striking and his power is always dangerous and obviously that's what made the difference for him in that fight and who would you like to see Robbie Lawler fight next Robbie Lawler I think he it really depends on kind of what's going to happen here with the welterweight division if GSP does in fact decides decide to walk away for a while I'd love to see him fight Hendricks for the interim belt but if that doesn't really happen I think the only fight that makes sense is the winner of Matt Brown and Carlos Condit and that would just be an absolutely sick fight any of either of those fight are, are fireworks you know what I mean it's there there's someone's gonna go to sleep in any one of those fights probably Oh, absolutely. All three of those guys are incredible strikers, and 
it wouldn't matter really which way that situation shaked out. Either way, the result is going to be something great for the fans to watch. So. Yeah, for sure. Now, before I let you go here, Mike, um, was there anything else on the card that, that you were very excited about? I mean, how can you not be impressed by Tyrone Woodley knocking out Josh Koscheck? That was just an absolutely unbelievable performance by him. We, he really, I think that was kind of the victory that made him arrive in the UFC. He's now a contender in that division. There's going to be big, only big fights from in the future. And then obviously Donald Cerrone looked great to submitting Evan Dunham, who I have a ton of respect for, and he's extremely tough. And no one really goes out there and blows through him and submits Evan Dunham like that. So you got to give props to Cerrone for performance like that. Now let me ask you about Donald Cerrone. Do you think he will end up dropping down to 145? I kind of have to agree with Dana White in this, with this one. I don't want to see it happen. I, I just don't really think there's any point to it. I mean, he I don't think there's anything he gains by going down to 145. I just I'd rather see him kind of he's talking about, you know, cleaning making having a cleaner diet and all that stuff and I just think he should do that anyways and make the cut easier to 155 but stay there. I just don't see the point. Mike, thanks a lot for recapping the UFC 167 fight card with me again today. Um, just let people know where they can get a hold of you. Yeah, you can just follow me on Twitter at uh, Mike Bond MMA, M-I-K-E-B-O-H-N MMA, and just read my work on MMAJunkie.com. Thanks a lot, Mike. And uh, coming up right after this is uh, UFC Prime Minister Tom Wright. Lately I've been, I've been losing sleep. Dreaming about the things that we could be But baby, I've been, I've been praying hard Said no more counting dollars, we'll be counting stars Yeah, we'll be counting stars Joining me on the line right now is who we up here in Canada like to call the Prime Minister of the UFC, Mr. Tom Wright Tom, thanks for joining us on Sucker Radio today Hey, anytime, Jeremy. How are things in beautiful BC? Things are things are pretty good. I can't complain up here, other than obviously, it's a uh, crummy weather like we always have at this time of year. Ah, oh, geez, Crimea River. Come on, it's a great place to live. You should be happy. <laughs> now, the fallout from this past weekend was all obviously George St. Pierre. Not just the fight itself, but his emotional interview afterwards. Now, let's first talk about the fight itself. What were your thoughts on it, and how did you have it scored? Well, you know, it's um, uh, it's a classic example of, um, you know, one of the reasons why Dana always says never leave it up to the judges, right? Because you never know what happens. Uh, I actually had it scored um, um, three to two for um, for George. I had him winning rounds one, three, and five, and and Johnny having rounds two and four. And I think I think the um, a couple of things clearly when um, when Hendricks won rounds two and four, I mean, he won them decisively. I wouldn't have called, I would have scored them 10-8, but he certainly won them decisively. And the rounds that um, George won, I think, were probably won more um, closely. So, so I mean, you know, I think a, a lot of in a lot of people's cards, um, you know, the first round went to uh, went to Johnny. Uh, in on my card, it didn't. But you know what I mean? You, I tell you, when when um, um, when Buffer came in, um, I didn't know whether he was going to, you know, I don't know whose hand was going to get raised, whether it was going to be Johnny's or George's, and it turns out to be George's. So, um, you know, that's that's the that's the fight game. And I think a lot of people 
um, looked at it in terms of damage because they saw George's face after the fight. Now this goes into play with the whole 10-point must system. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Jamie, you, you, you'll, you'll probably recall when, um, when George fought uh, Nick Diaz at UFC 158. Um, I mean, George completely, utterly dominated um, uh, Nick Diaz for five rounds. And, um, you know, at the post-fight press conference, if you took a look at the two guys, the guy who looked like he had all the damage was George. I mean, George tends to, to mark up uh, pretty easily. He's got fair skin. So I, I think that, that um, you know, quite frankly, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's um, uh, how do they say it, uh, you know, it, uh, if you happen to uh, um, if, if you happen to to, to sink a uh, you know a two foot putt for a birdie or um, or sink one from uh, the bunker for a birdie, it's still a birdie. It's, there's no there's no room in the scorecard in golf for pitchers, right? Exactly. Now St. Pierre looked to take the microphone away from Joe Rogan, but then halted himself. The emotions were definitely running through him when he finally decided to say that that he he wanted to hand in the gloves for a little bit there and and take a vacation away from the sport um did you know any of this prior to the fight and and what do you think of him sitting out for the next little while well um jeremy i certainly i knew nothing about this before the um before the fight and i don't think anybody did um with with the you know exception of, of probably george um, and, and, you know, he really hasn't made any definitive, uh, decisions. He hasn't, hasn't, uh, detailed any time frame, at least not one that, that I've heard. So, so, uh, you know, I think that, um, um, you know, he, he needs some, if he needs some time to, to sort of reflect on what he wants to do and how quickly he wants to get back, then, you know, I think you should respect that. And, and I certainly do. And I'll wait till I hear from him. So you haven't spoken to him yet? I have not. Now, many were, were obviously shocked by his speech, but UFC President Dana White's post-fight outrage shocked people a little more. Um, do you agree with the way he handled the situation at the post-fight press conference? Oh, sure. I mean, uh, listen, Dana, Dana's forgotten more about this fight game than, than I'll ever know. And, and uh, you know, that's the great thing about uh, Dana White is that, you know, he, he, um, he always tells you the straight goods on how he feels. And, and it's one of the challenges our sport has when... when uh, you know, you, um, um, it's, it's, it's one, one of those things that's a challenge and it's also, a, it's a curse, but it's also a blessing. And, and the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, we don't make these decisions. We don't control the judges. We don't control the uh, referees. They, they're appointed by the Nevada State Athletic Commission in the case of um, UFC 167. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that, um, you know, Dana was, was reacting the way a lot of fight fans were reacting, that, that he thought that uh, Johnny won and and, um, and you know, he reflected that. Let me ask you one last question about this fight before we move on then. And, and straight up, um, do you think the champ owes it to the UFC and Johnny Hendricks to give him the rematch? Yeah, I do. Um, I think that's what everybody would like to see. I think that uh, that's one of the great things about the, the Ultimate Fighting Championship is that, is that um, you know, we're able to put on fights that people want to see. Uh, a lot of people want to see Manny Pacquiao fight uh, Floyd Mayweather, but you know chances of that happening are pretty slim. You know people will want to see a rematch. People want to see the the rematch of uh, of Silva and Weidman, and and we're going to see that at UFC you know 160 uh, uh, 168 in December, and and you know people and people want to see the Gustafson John Jones rematch, and and that fight will happen as well. And 
And, you know, so I think that um, George understands that, and, and I think that fight will happen. For sure. Now, moving away from that, let's let's talk some other stuff. I had actually a friend ask me a question earlier today, and I didn't know how to answer him. So I was sort of glad that, that I, I would be speaking with you today. And I, I'm not sure how you're going to answer this or, or what, but from my own knowledge, Try me up. yeah, for sure. Do, do organizations like the UFC have plans in place for people like Chuck Liddell and obviously um, George St. Pierre when and if they retire from the sport? Um, knock out you know when they get knocked out on numerous occasions are there plans following that from taking too many punches for a living or is it is it like the nfl where they don't you know they don't see a connection between getting hit in the head and potential side effects well i'm, I'm not sure i understand your question exactly jeremy but you know i only tell you this i mean we we obviously take fighter safety very very seriously you know that um you know i think in the case of uh of chuck um, from what I understand, it was, you know, basically, you know, Dana sort of telling Chuck that he felt it was in, in Chuck's personal best interest to, you know, not to continue. Um, you know, I think that, uh, um, as you probably know, we're participating in, in, in some various, um, high level studies that are going on in the United States with the Cleveland Clinic to, to learn more about, um, um, concussions, to learn more about traumatic head injuries, because we want to make sure that, that we stay as, as, as up to speed and in front of this sort of thing as possible. But, um, you know, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, these, sometimes these decisions are personal decisions and, and, um, you know, then maybe they're made by, and the case of George, he might make it. I, I don't really know to, um, I haven't spoken, as I said, I haven't spoken to George to know whether he has made decisions. I don't think he has, but I haven't spoken to him. For sure. Now, sort of staying on the lines with health, um, what are your thoughts on all the PEDs in the sport? And, and do you think there should be therapeutic use exemptions for PEDs to speed recovery time after injuries? Well, you know, I mean, it really, it's, it's, you know, what I think uh, almost doesn't really matter. I mean, it's, it's, it's ultimately going to be up to the um, athletic commission to determine. I mean, I, I think um, I don't, I'm not a believer of, of the use of any performance enhancing drugs and, and even therapeutic, um, you know, use I'm, I'm not, I'm not in favor of, but, but again, you know, those are decisions that aren't made by me personally. So that's my personal opinion. And, and, um, you know, you asked me what my personal opinion was, and that's it. For sure. Now, let's get away from all that and have some fun. Uh, let's let's talk about Tough Nations and, and give us some insight on where we're at at the present moment with that. Well, you know, Jeremy, I'd have to kill you if I told you everything was going on there, right? <laughs> not everything. I'm not allowed to do that. I'm, I, 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 I signed an NDA. I'm not a disclosure agreement. I, I'm, I'm not allowed to tell you anything. But I can tell you that, that um, we're about halfway through the, uh, through the production. Production's going well. I think it's going to be a great, great uh, show. I think you're going to find some really, really interesting characters, some great fights, um, some kind of twists and development. And, and, you know, I think that's one of the beauties of um, these kinds of reality shows. I think in the end, um, you're going to see some really interesting and very talented fighters uh, emerge. And, and um, you know, I can tell you that uh, uh, the finale, when it happens um, next, uh, next April, is going to be a great, uh, great show. Can you tell us how it's going to be broadcast? I can tell you it's going to be broadcast on Rogers 360 um, in English Canada and on TBA Sports in uh, in, in Quebec and uh, across the country in French. Um, in Australia, it's going to be on um, FX down in uh, down under, and Fox Sports One in the United States is going to pick it up. And and will the finale be in Canada? The finale will be in Canada. 
Perfect. Now, the biggest question, obviously, for us in British Columbia, and the question every time you're on our show, is when is the UFC going to be coming back to Vancouver? Um, we haven't finalized um, um, an exact date and confirmed anything yet with um, um, either Rogers Arena or with the uh, the government of BC government in Victoria. But um, I can tell you that um, um, it um, will happen sooner than you think. That's that's good to hear. Have you had many dealings with the with the new athletic commission at all? Um, you know, um, yes, I've met them. Uh, Met them face to face. Had some spent some time with them in Winnipeg during UFC 161. Um, have been back and forth on several emails on some some um, regulatory things that uh, we wanted some clarity on. And and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, everything that I certainly um, can see um, going forward is that um, very very professional organization, um, very very on top of things. Looking forward to working closely with them and. And um, we're really glad that um, the athletic commission is in place because, you know, until um, such a time as this was put into place, our returning was uh, was really in jeopardy. Now, just a couple more questions before I let you go here, Tom. Um, any word on what the first Canadian city you'll hit in 2014 is? Um, not nothing finalized, but I can tell you probably in the next um, um, before the um, before the new year, you'll um, you'll know probably the entire Canadian schedule. Now, finally, before we let you go, Tom, you're from the East Coast. Rob Ford is from the East Coast. I got to ask you this. Who's the better trash talker, the better ranter, Mr. Rob Ford or UFC President Dana White? You know what? Um, the um, There's some There's some really – I don't think you can compare the two. I mean, I think in terms of uh, um, somebody who, who absolutely has his entire act together, that would be Dana White. Somebody who doesn't completely have his act together – that will be Rob Ford. Can you believe he wants to run for my prime minister? <laughs> was that was that what came out today? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, you know, after what happened last week, um, I'm I'm not surprised with anything that comes out. <laughs> Tom, it's always a pleasure to chat with you, and and thanks for the answers that you gave us today uh, for our listeners, and obviously all the best, and keep on doing what you're doing for the UFC and MMA in Canada. My pleasure. Uh, anytime, Jeremy. It's always my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye-bye. There he is, Tom Wright. Obviously, he can't give us the big scoop on Tough Nations or anything like that like we wanted. Uh, but, you know, he told us where we could find it, which is great. Uh, we didn't know where it was going to be broadcast up until now, but we got that. Um, we talked a little bit about GSP. He gave his input on that. It, it'll be nice to see... Whether GSP returns, I'm sure he will be fighting in Canada in his next bout. Um, So thanks a lot to Tom Wright for joining us. And coming up right after this, um, RFA President, Mr. Ed Soares. When the days are cold and the cards all fold And the saints we see are all made of gold When your dreams all fail and the wounds we hail are the Worst of all, and the bloods run stale. I wanna hide the truth. Joining me on the line right now is the president of Resurrection Fighting Alliance, Mr. Ed Soares. Ed, thanks for taking the time to do this, man. How you doing, man? I'm no do- problem. I'm Much doing pleasure. good. You must be uh, busy as hell right now. Yeah, I'm pretty busy. I mean, we're running around getting all the, you know, 
putting out the last minute fires that you always have uh, anytime an event's coming up. Yeah, for sure. Now, um, before we get into your event, we've seen um, a fair share of talent make their way from the RFA to the UFC over the last year or so. Um, How does it make you feel that you're producing such promising stars? Well, I mean, it's, uh, you know, every time I see, um, you know, every time I see one of the guys that have fought in the RFA uh, step up and fight uh, in the UFC, it's just kind of like another notch on our belt, you know, and it, it feels great to help these guys and give these guys an opportunity to be able to display their skills and get the opportunity to, you know, move their way up in the rankings and, and, and get up into the big show. I know you've been behind the scenes um, with the UFC, obviously managing your guys and whatnot, but being the president of the RFA, um, I think we've spoken about this before, but will you always be happy as that organization that feeds to the UFC? I'm sorry, man. It cut out a little bit. I I couldn't hear you. No, I said, I think we've spoken about this before, but will you always be happy as that organization that feeds to the UFC? 100%. That's my whole uh, reason for existing. That's what I want to be. I want to be that, um, you know, I, I want to be that organization that develops guys and brings them into the UFC and not, not only develops the guys inside the octagon, but also develop them and prepare them for their obligations as a fighter outside the octagon, as far as, you know, media commitments and doing all these different things that kind of prepare them, uh, to, uh, you know, benefit them in their career. So you actually do that as the president? You you talk specifically with each fighter you have? Well, I, I, I'm not going to say I talk specifically to each fighter that we have, but every fighter that fights in our organization, when they start getting up into the co-main events and future fights, the co-main events and the main events of uh, each card, you know, they, they have a certain amount of commitments, uh, you know, media commitments and all these different other things that they have to do that to play part into preparing them into that next step. Now let's talk uh, this Friday night, RFA 11. The main event is for the vacant title uh, between Matt Manzanares and Zach Makovsky. Um, just to fl- explain to fans what excites you about this fight. Well, I mean, Makovsky is, you know, the, the first uh, the first Bantamweight uh, uh, champ that Bellator ever had. So the guy's a very experienced fighter against this young kid uh, who not too many people know of uh, named Matt Mountaineris. He's a very exciting uh, fighter. I mean, I think that this main event is going to, you know, I definitely think it's going to be one that's probably not going to go the distance. Yeah, many people probably think that it's going to be one-sided with Mikovsky sort of ruling the roost in this one. But when I looked up Manzanares' statistics, he may not have the most most fights on his professional rankings, but he's got quite a few amateur fights under his belt. Yeah, he's got, and he's, and he's had a long, um, a, a long career in boxing. I mean, he's been boxing and competitively boxing since he was, you know, I believe it was eight years old or something. So, I mean, the, the, the is very exciting. Um, and you know, the crazy thing is, is that he's known for his boxing skills, but you know, his last few fights, he's been, he's been submitting people. So, you know, he's definitely that next evolution of fighters that are coming out there that they're, they're com- they're complete fighters, you know, mixed martial arts fighters. It's not just, oh, this guy's got great hands, a great, you know, he's really good on the ground. He's a good wrestler. It's like, you know, Matt Manzanares is, is definitely one of those uh, 
fighters that that is a complete fighter. You know, he's definitely it's going to be a good man. Um, you know, it's going to be hard to pick the winner because you know you've got the experience of Zach against uh, you know Matt. And uh, but I, I believe it's going to be a hell of a fight. Now the fight card itself sounds like it's going to be a hell of a, a fight card. It sounds excellent. And which fight do you think is is flying under the radar and people should definitely uh, sort of watch? Um, I'm trying to. You know, there, there's quite, there's quite a few. I mean, uh, I think that Tyler Toner um, against Hyoni uh, Barcelonas uh, is is, uh, uh, is is a great fight. I mean, you've got you know. A, a guy like Tyler Toner, who's you know has the experience of fighting in uh, you know the, the WEC, the UFC Strike Force, and uh, you know he's he's fighting uh, a top prospect out of Brazil uh, named Hyoni, who's uh, you know um, he's the actual Shuto, uh, the Brazilian Shuto featherweight champion right now, and he's also you know he's wrestled on the um, Brazilian national team. So, uh, you know, you've got, uh, you know, like I said, all the fights on the card are going to be exciting. Um, as far as one special fight, um, you know, I'm really interested in seeing the uh, Shinzo uh, Brian Wood fight, the Shinzo Machida fight, because, uh, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, this being, you know, 20 years ago, you know, UFC last week just had their uh, 20th anniversary of, uh, you know, this past weekend. And, you know, their first show was in Denver, Colorado. So I, I feel pretty excited to come back 20 years later and be able to provide a, uh, a mixed martial arts show in Denver, um, you know, back where it all started and, and, and have a traditional uh, kind of old, old school matchup, which is karate versus kung fu. So it's kind of an interesting match up that uh, I think is going to be pretty exciting. No kidding. Now, as I said earlier, the RFA is producing great talent. Why don't you give me a couple names, not just on this fight card, but from RFA as a whole, that uh, fans should keep their eye on to do big things very soon? Well, I, I think we have, uh, you know, not on this card. Let me see. We've got uh, Pedro Munoz. Who's um, a very, uh, very exciting? Uh, you know, he's our he's our bantamweight champ right now, which I think he's, uh, you know, he, he's uh, right there uh, knocking on the door of getting in the UFC. He's undefeated. We've got um, Brian Ortega, who's a very exciting fighter, and uh, he, he's going to be coming up fighting. Really, he's fighting in January here in, in uh, Los Angeles. Um, I mean, God, man, I, I've got so many things in my mind, and we've got so many different guys that uh, that I'm looking forward to seeing that that are, that are really exciting. You know what I mean? Uh, we, just keep your eye out for us next year. We've got uh, we've got 12 shows booked for next year, and uh, you know we're going to be giving you developing a lot of new talent. That's awesome. You just actually answered my next question. Uh, so, 12 shows. Um, do you plan to take the show to new cities in the next year? Yeah, we're looking at new markets for sure. I mean, we're, we're going to be, uh, you know, expanding the different markets, especially doing 12 shows. You know, we're definitely going to be doing L.A. probably two or three times. We're probably going to be doing Denver two or three times. Uh, you know, we had a great uh, success in Iowa, so we'll probably be going back to Iowa a couple times a year and, uh, you know, and testing out new markets, maybe heading over into Omaha, maybe, uh, you know, just, we're open. We're looking at new markets, possibly Phoenix. Um, we're just looking at different markets that we can expand our brand. 
Will we ever see you outside of the United States? Possibly maybe up here in Canada? You know what? Uh, you never know. Um, right now, it's not on our radar right now. At least Canada is not on our radar right now, but there's always that possibility. I mean, eventually, you know, slowly but surely, we, we want to take the RFA to as many uh, points around the world as we possibly can. So Canada would definitely uh, be a market we'd like to go sometime. I just don't know when. For sure. Awesome. Now, moving away from RFA, obviously, I have a couple questions here for you. Um, when can we expect the Noguera brothers to be fit to return to action, especially when is Big Nog going to be back? I think we're going to be able. To, we're going to see Big Nog uh, probably in uh, in the first half of next. Both Nogara brothers will see in the first half of next year. Perfect. Now, finally, I got a couple questions here. We have to talk Anderson Silva. Uh, many people complained. Okay. Many people complained about the clowning in his last fight, and you know, it's not just his last fight. He does that in all his fights. It's just that he got caught his last fight, um, and that ultimately lost Correct. him his title. Can Can we expect that out of him in the rematch with Weidman, or do you think? He's going to come into this and and show why he is truly the pound for pound best champion in the world. Um, I don't think uh, you know. I don't know. I, all I know, you can expect is you're going to expect Anderson to walk out of that octagon with that with that belt around his waist. Um, and as far as uh, clowning around, you know, he, he's always fought that way. Like like you mentioned earlier. I mean, unfortunately, um, you know that night wasn't his night, you know, he, he's clowned around and, and, and I wouldn't even say clowning around. He, he, that's just the style that he, he, that's just how he likes to fight. He that's, that's how he, uh, he likes to perform. So, and you know, the last 16 times in the octagon, it worked out well. It just, you know, um, this time it didn't, you know, every, in every fight, there's a magic moment. And, um, and Chris, uh, Weidman was able to, capture that magic moment and capitalize on it and you know Anderson made a mistake and uh Chris capitalized on it and that's why he won does it upset you at all that that fans around the world get ex- they got they get excited when Anderson does the clowning and he wins but when he does it and he loses this one fight they throw it all against him of course. I mean, but that's MMA fans for you. The MMA fans are very fickle, but it's all about what have you done to for me lately. And it's just expected. Um, you know, he, he's out there, he, you know, regardless of how he goes out there and performs, regardless if he wins or loses. I mean, people can't forget what a lot of these guys have done throughout the years. And unfortunately in this sport, sometimes you're, you're, you're only, you know, judged upon your last performance, but, you know, people are, you know, so quick to forget that he was holding that title for almost seven years. And, um, you know, sometimes it gets a little bit frustrating, but it's just part of the business. And we saw last weekend um, George St. Pierre winning the title, um, split decision. He said after the fight that he wants to hang up the gloves for a little bit. Um, how much longer do you honestly see Anderson Silva fighting for, even if he does end up winning the championship at the end of the year? I don't know, man. I don't know. I think he just, uh, I think he's going to be fighting for as long as he still enjoys doing it. And for as long as he can physically, um, you know, be competitive. And, uh, from, from what I've seen in this past few fights, I think we'll see him for a while. Thanks a bunch, Ed. And, uh, just let people know one last time where and why they should watch RFA 11 this Friday night.
Well, if you're in the Denver area, you can head over to the First Bank Arena in um, Bloomfield, Colorado, and uh, all around the country. You could watch it on Access TV Live, 10 o'clock Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific time. All the best, Ed, and uh, good luck this Friday night. All right, thank you very much. RFA definitely seems like they are producing talent-rich fighters coming out of coming out of their promotion. I mean, we see Brandon Thatch, we've seen Sergio Pettis, we've seen all these guys come out of RFA and and get off to a good start inside the octagon in the UFC. And and I like how Ed Suarez has made it crystal clear that they're a feeder league and they don't want anything other than that. They want to be that feeder league to the UFC. It's not hidden. It's not anywhere behind the scenes that this is what they are. They know they're never going to be number one, but they might be that number one feeder league for the UFC. So that's great to hear. RFA 11 coming up this Friday night. Um, Zach Makovsky is taking on our next guest who will be joining us right after this, Matt Manzanares. It's a long road for the tired men. Please welcome one half of this week's RFA 11 main event, Mr. Matt Manzanares. Matt, thanks for joining me today, man. Hey, man, my pleasure. Now, before we get to the fight this Friday night, um, for listeners out there that don't know who you are, just let them know how you got into the sport of MMA. Okay, yeah, um, you know, I've been watching the sport for a very long time, and, uh, you know, I, I just fell in love with it as soon as I started training. I uh, met a co-worker who, was, uh, who introduced me to martial arts, and then uh, from there on, you know, I just fell in love with the sport. I started boxing when I was really young, and, uh, you know, I, and I had a little bit of talent, so I uh, tried to pursue it into uh, making it a career. Uh, growing up, did you play other sports? I didn't. I just I boxed from when I was eight until seventeen years old, and that's all I did. I mean, I played basketball in school and, and stuff like that. Like, but I wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't the same, you know. I just my love was uh, towards combat sports. So you didn't feel like pursuing the boxing then, eh? Um, you know, I I wanted to, and then uh, you know, it was kind of funny, you know, just. Just life kind of got in the way. I didn't know if I was going to be able to really make a career out of it. Um, I started doing some stupid things as a young adult, and uh, you know, I kind of just kind of just put boxing on the background for a while. You know, I was a little tired of, of competing and, and putting myself through the grind at such a young age. So I kind of just you know took a little break. Now I'm sure um, because your, your name recognition isn't out there so much, you're the underdog coming into this fight. Um, but myself, after checking out your fight credentials, you may not have a heck of a lot of pro fights on your rap sheet, but you do have a number of amateur fights in a very short amount of time. Um, how was it fighting so often in those two years that you were an amateur fighter? Um, you know, I loved it. I didn't mind it at all. I just, you know, I wanted to get seasoned. I wanted to uh, get the experience mainly, um, you know. So, so you know, I, it wasn't a big rush for me to turn pro or anything like that. You know, I racked up a lot of wins and racked up some big wins and uh, just fought a lot. And, uh, you know, it worked out for me, uh, you know, as soon as I was ready to make the leap to turn pro. Uh, you know, I think 
think everything got worked out. Now, with only one loss on your record, um, Makovsky comes into this fight having some pretty high-level fights under his belt. Will this be your first time main eventing a card in your pro career? Uh, yeah, basically, you know, for a big show like this, um, I've, I've headlined a couple of cards, um, just small, small local shows here in Wyoming and stuff. But, uh, yeah, this will be my first uh, big show. Does it phase uh, you at all? No, not at all. You know, I, I'm I'm excited, man. I'm ready for the challenge, and uh, you know, I'm just soaking everything in. Everything's been great. Uh, been a wonderful experience. You know, not a lot of people get to uh, experience something like this in their life, and I'm just I'm just soaking it all in. No kidding. I'm sure this is the first time you've had such a media presence as well. Right. <laughs> I actually just got done with uh, with the uh, Access TV photo shoot and stuff like that, so I can't even think that's why uh, you know me and you were having a little problems getting connected to so but yeah everything has been fine man uh you know i've been doing a little bit of media you know here and there and but uh it's been cool now your opponent zach makovsky obviously um he's a flashy fighter he was the bellator bantamweight champion um are you a fan of his fighting style and you know as they say styles make fights how do you see this fight playing out I am a fan of him. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've been watching him for a long time, and I think he's a really good fighter. Um, his style, otherwise, you know, uh, he likes to take guys guys down and grind them out and, uh, you know, grind out decision wins. And, you know, uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's not going to happen towards me. And, um, you know, I think, you know, it, it's going to be a battle back and forth. And, uh, you know, whoever's got the uh, best game plan is going to win. But uh, I definitely think my hand's going to be raised towards the end. <laughs> now, you you said in in the opening that you have a boxing background, but um, two of your victories have come via submission, so it seems like you're rather confident and comfortable on the ground as well. What do you attribute this to? Um, you know, I, I've been training jiu-jitsu since about 2009, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, I was just, I was just focused on, uh, you know, becoming a complete mixed martial artist, you know, mixing in the wrestling and the jiu-jitsu is, um, you know, one, one of the tough tough things to do, you know, from a boxing background. But, uh, you know, I really focused on it, and I really I really worked on it. So, uh, you know, uh, big props to my jiu-jitsu coach, Danny Richards, from uh, the farm Brazilian jiu-jitsu for teaching me, you know, all my ground game. No kidding. Now, I had Ed Soares on the show just before you here, and he was speaking very highly about you. What's it feel like to have a president behind the scenes with the experience in the MMA industry as he does? Well, you know, it's great. Ed's a, Ed's a real well-known guy, and, uh, you know, he has a lot of good connections. But, uh, you know, as as far as him being like a boss towards me, he's, he's been nothing but great and sincere. Um, so, so it's been a pleasure to work for him. And this will be your fourth time fighting under the RFA banner. How have you seen the company grow since your first bout with them? They're, they're getting big, man. Uh, you know, they're they're the show everybody wants to get on now. You know, um, before it was like, you know, uh, I don't think anybody really know who to go to, whether they, of course, you know, people want to get into the UFC and Bellator and stuff like that, but... You know, these rising, upcoming fighters, they, they're they like, oh, I want a shot at RFA, man. RFA sending guys to the big leagues. You know, they know how to run a show. They know how to uh, 
match their fighters up and so you know rfa's been been great and they're they're growing and uh you know i'm happy to be along with them yeah and it's no secret that ed says that he he plans on rfa being that feeder league to the ufc he he has no problems with that whatsoever so that is obviously your overall goal yeah definitely uh overall goal man my dream is to fight for the ufc Awesome. Um, you told me how you see the fight playing out for Zach, that he's a grinding fighter, but in a perfect world, how would you finish the fight? Um, I'm going to finish the fight with a knockout, man. Uh, you know, I can't tell you exactly how, but, you know, I'm going to catch his chin and uh, you're going to see him uh, get some wobbly legs and I'll end up finishing the fight. Perfect. You said your overall goal is to get to the UFC. Finally, before we let you go here, it's very late in the year. Coming on uh, the new year, what are your goals for 2014? You know, I don't really know yet. Uh, just keep training hard, keep getting better, you know. Maybe, you know, eventually have to uh, quit my day job and, you know, focus on fighting uh, full-time. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm just I'm just looking forward to uh, getting in the cage Friday night and uh, taking that belt back home to me, uh, to Wyoming. He is Matt Manzanares. He's in the RFA 11 main event. Matt, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Right on. Uh, yeah, you could you, you could Facebook friend me at uh, Matt Manzanares and then uh, like my uh, Facebook page, Matt Manzanares and the main fighter, and then uh, Instagram at Matt Manzanares MMA, and on Twitter at Manzanares MMA. So. Perfect, Matt. Thanks a lot. Good Thank luck you, on Friday night, man. Appreciate it, Jeremy. Thank you. If you don't know who Matt Manzanares is, you do now. He's 6-1 and one in his professional career. Um, coming off a two-fight winning streak, he last fought against Steve Swanson at RFA 9, and he won by second-round submission. As I said, he's a boxer. As he said, he's a boxer. He, he grew up boxing, but he didn't follow that. He wanted to get into MMA. We've seen him with some knockouts. We've seen him with some submissions. He's got a couple decisions, or he has zero decisions on his record. Of his six wins, four knockouts or TKOs and two submissions. So this guy's an exciting fighter to watch. So this Friday night, him against the former Bellator bantamweight champion, Zach Makovsky, in the main event at RFA 11 on Access TV. Um, you can catch it there, or if you're in the Colorado area, just head over to the First Bank Center and you can watch it live. So I'd like to thank Matt Manzanares for joining us. I'd like to thank Ed Soros for joining us. I'd also like to thank UFC Prime Minister, as we like to call him, Mr. Tom Wright, for joining us. Um, who else have I got to thank? Uh, Mike, Bond, Mike Bond for joining me in the first part of the show. Thanks to him for recapping... Um, UFC 167, you can check out Mike at MMAJunkie.com. He does all of their stuff. Um, just checking my Twitter right now for any news that might have dropped while I was recording the show. I see that Tiago Silva will take on Ovent St. Prue at UFC Fight Night 35. That's some pretty cool news. Um... Nothing else was really dropped other than the stuff that we talked about with Mike that Daniel Cormier could be taking on Rashad Evans in their upcoming matches, which is a great fight. Obviously, the next UFC coming up is UFC Maynard versus Diaz at the Tough Finale, Tough 18 Finale. Those two are going to scrap on November 30th. Um, the Ultimate Fighter is on 
this evening, and uh, I can't, so I don't know who is moving on to the finals. But on that fight card, November 30th, we have Gray Maynard Nate Diaz, the finals, as well as Sergio Moraes versus Sean Spencer. A couple other fights that are going down as well. Um, we won't go over that until next week, probably. So. With that, I'd like to thank my guests. I'd like to thank everyone else who's listening. You can catch Sucker Radio on iTunes, on Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are heard. You can hear Sucker Radio. Thank you to MMAOpinion.co.uk for streaming our show on their site. You can hear it on MMAsucker.com. I've rambled enough here. With that, I'm out, and catch you next week. White people, I have a round of applause for white people that are here. I love them so much. You know, I'm tired of people going into detail about their ethnicity, nationality. I don't give a fuck what you are. People go into detail like, I'm half German, quarter Irish, part Navajo Indian. You're fucking white. Just say white. I ran to a girl the other day. She's like, I'm half Chinese and half Mexican. You're Filipino. Just say Filipino. White people say racist shit accidentally, that's gonna stop. I had a photo shoot for this Harold and Kumar movie, right? Photographer is white. He kept saying, Bobby, um, can we get more expression in your eyes? I'm like, what the f? There's only two things I do open and close. This is happy, sad, angry, all that shit. Take the picture before I close them, I did that. get nervous when race is brought up. I'm an American citizen, you know? I was at a Starbucks. This really happened. This old man came up to me. And he goes, are you Korean? I got scared. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> then he goes, I fought in the Korean War. I didn't know what to say. I wanted to say thank you. Or I don't fucking know. You know? <laughs> you know? Well, what came out of my mouth was me too. <laughs> then he got mad. What? I started improvising. That's my name, Me Too. Right? <laughs>